love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. We make each other better. She always reminds me about what actually matters. You know, love conquers all. Wherever he is, I I want to be there. Always. She just always accepted me for who I was. He makes me a better person. It was like love at first sight. Well, love is the most important thing. I'm right where I'm supposed to be, for sure. And he's always been the one. Three and a half years later, some days I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I live in Ontario with Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) And it makes me so happy. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Jen and Brian, two transplanted East Coasters living in Peterborough, Ontario. The episode includes an apology. You see, he broke up with her when they were teenagers, but after nearly a quarter century, they are, to quote the song that may have played at the dance where they met, reunited and it feels so good. In fact, not only are they deliriously happy, they're both healthier because of the relationship. This is the Canadian Love Map. Jen and Brian, let's talk about love. What can you tell me about love in your lives right now? Go. It gets us through each day, for sure. There's so much going on, like with COVID and like all of our families on the East Coast pretty much, and we're here coming home after a long day of work. Like love really gets us through the day we have that nice bond when we come home and it's just, it's a safe space. It's great. It's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. And when I met Jen, I was still a teenager and I didn't have much love for myself and didn't think I was good enough for anybody. And a, a big part of why we had broken up when we, I, I apologetically, I, I broke up <laughs> with <okay>. her. <laughs> And I didn't think that I deserved her. I thought she'd have a better life with somebody that was better than I am. And and that's a whole other growing thing. We had the benefit of knowing each other for a very long time before reuniting. We used to joke saying that, you know, we dated for a bit in high school, took a 24-year break and got back together. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, but, you know, through that journey, I feel like I'm a better person overall when we got back together than I was back then. We had to go through the things yeah, we went I, through. We to, had to go to through our journeys to get to where we are. And yeah. in the end, love was what mattered in the end. You know what I mean? When you really whittle it all down. Well, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> That's beautifully put. Jen, he just apologized to you for breaking up, but I get the sense that that's not the first time he's apologized for that. Uh, it's not. He does all the time. It's so funny. Um, all the time. Because, I mean, I was like 17. I think he was just about 19. I mean, it was like the ni- late 90s. So we didn't have cell phones. He didn't whatever. So he he did it in person, like you should, and, you know, was very respectful about it and explained why he was ending our relationship. And, of course, I was heartbroken but I didn't hate him and I wasn't sad about it 
in the way that you normally would because we had a friendship come out of it. So, so go back and set the scene for me. Okay. So it's uh, October 1995. Trenton High, whole school from grade 7 to 12 had 500 kids. <laughs> Very small. I was yearbook editor and Halloween dance. And we hired for the first time ever a live band to come play our Halloween dance. Everybody was so excited. And so I'm taking pictures for yearbook and Brian's the lead singer of the band. I look up and I'm like, who's this guy (laughs) with his long hair and his Edwin jeans. (laughs) And my friend is like, oh, he used to go to this school. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I'll go ask him to dance with you. And she did. And I fell in love immediately at 16. And it was great. <laughs> wow. With him and the Edwin jeans. Yes. <laughs> should I add my part or should I leave no. that alone? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then we, we dated. He came up to the house. He'd helped me with my math homework. You know, we went and seen some movies. It was great. And then yeah. we kind of went our separate ways, but remained friends. But from the from that moment, though, I knew he was like the one always. Yeah. yeah. So his impression lingered for you for a long time? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to add my part anyway. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was going <laughs> to so, loop back it, to it, you it, after hearing he was, you. He treated me so well. Like he was my first boyfriend. And so he really kind of set the bar high. And he doesn't think that he did, but he definitely <laughs> did. There Because he had a lot of respect. When I was playing that show, I was who was contacted for the hiring as well. Narado Black was the name of the band and also the name of the production company that I ran at the time. And they hired our band in particular, made the arrangements, came and played. We're between sets when her friend came up to me and asked if I would dance with this girl. And then she turns around and points at Jen. And there was a particular type of swagger in Jen's friend coming to ask me this as if she was expecting me to say no and like smiling, anticipating me to say no. (laughs) And I thought that that was really impolite. And I thought, you know what? Let's knock you down a peg. I'm going to go dance with your friend. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, so I, and, and immediately getting to know Jen and talk to Jen that night led to a lot more, obviously. And I got to know who Jen was and see what a beautiful person that she was inside. And that led to dating and everything else. And that might not have happened if it hadn't been for a friend coming up that day. So that's great that she did, you know, but. Wow. But it was also your spirit of generosity that, you know, motivated you to go over. That's pretty sweet. So, Brian, you swept her off her feet, and you were the sweetest boyfriend, more so than you gave yourself credit for. What mm-hmm. was it that really made you make the decision to end it? It was a lot of self-esteem and my own personal self-respect issues. I'm not hiding from that or shying away from it. I, to this day, struggle with that. And I didn't think I was good enough for Jen. You know, I came to have a very high opinion of her, and I thought she would have a better life with someone better. And that was just the way I looked at it at the time. How many people have cried on your podcast? Okay. (laughs) Just about all of them. (laughs) Did you tell her that at the time? I think I did. Yeah. Brian has his own health struggles. And at that age too, he was diagnosed with a rare form of Crohn's. And so he was struggling with his health at the time and he was getting ready to go to university and he had a lot else going on in his life. I got diagnosed with Crohn's after being in severe, constant pain for almost a year and a few misdiagnoses before they lead up to getting a correct diagnosis. And 
it's been a rare form of Crohn's. It's hyperactive. It's immunoresistive. It's to this day never gone into remission. It's a constant source of pain. And, and when it was first happening and the doctor comes and says, hey, you have an incurable disease and it hits you a certain way. Where in my frame of mind at the time, I'm thinking this is God's judgment agreeing with me that I'm not a great person and I deserve this kind of attitude is going on in my head. And I'm thinking, you know, this pain, it's just confirmation of my problems with my own self-esteem. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and that was how I was processing it at the time. And I'm not saying that that's right or I, mean, I know it's wrong, but it's just how it was at the time. I had doctors at the time telling me I had two to five years to live. I got to a point where that was down to two months and they put me into a clinical trial, had to sign my rights away. The clinical trial was double blind, meaning nobody, including the practitioners, know if you're getting the placebo or not. Mm -hmm. And in the first three months, the placebo group died. And I luckily wasn't in the placebo group. So Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It has been a lot. <laughs> that's a lot yeah. for, for a person that age as well. So mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Did you find you were able to both transition into a friendship? You said it became a friendship, but was that an yeah. easy yeah. transition? There was never a lack of respect. Yeah. There was never a lack of genuine good intent and feeling between myself and Jen, hopefully vice versa. No, it did. It was very easy to transition into a friendship because of the way he did end things. Right. And like, I knew what was going on in his life. So, you know, like I graduated high school. He went to St. Vex. Uh, we would run into each other in town and, you know, big hugs and then talk to each other, catch up. And then Facebook happened. And yeah. And then Facebook happened. He moved to Ontario about 13 years ago, I guess. And mm -hmm. I stayed in Nova Scotia. But Facebook happened. We were Facebook friends. We were both in relationships and went through all that. But Christmas, birthdays, we would always send a message. The double-edged sword with yeah. Facebook is that you can keep up with somebody and follow how they're doing without having to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. So you'd have this sense that you know how they're doing without having yeah. to call them up and talk to them and get to know how they're doing. And so we would go for longer periods without catching up, of mm -hmm. course. But we were catching up. Yeah. in that other way. I had come to a point where as I was following the daily progression of Jen's post for a little while there in 2017, 18, thereabouts. Yeah, 2018. I post everything yeah. on Facebook. I was starting to get a little <laughs> bit worried. Things were starting to sound a little dark. And I called and reached out and just, you know, it's like, you know, I want to really catch up on because mm -hmm. we don't know, we tend to post our good things, not necessarily all the open transparency on the negative things. So yeah. I was worried about what else was on said and wanted to follow up and, and just make sure she was okay. Yeah. And uh, that just led to a lot of consecutive late night talks. And then that mm -hmm. led to her moving up. So let's yeah. talk about what you were posting, Jen. I tend to try to keep my Facebook and social media positive. I don't, you know, and um, don't post I post a lot of silly things, but I had been in an eight year relationship that was not a healthy relationship and it had ended in August um, of 2018. And so I was um, in recovery mode from that, trying to put things back together and deal with work and whatnot. Um, and so I didn't really post about that on social media, but you know, just that, you know, today maybe wasn't the best day. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, then I seen Brian, he sent me a message and uh, he's like, can I give you a call? And I was like, um, yeah. And he called me and I think it was like the first time in like 20 years we've talked on the phone and we were on the phone for about five hours. Oh my God. And the next day, home from work, 
phone rings and it was Brian and we were on the phone for eight hours. Um, and that was consistent every night on the way home from work. He would call me and we'd hang up the phone at like midnight. It was like high school again, where you're yeah. talking all hours on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Back and so it was <laughs> great because I had his support with the situation that I was dealing with, but I still had my alone time to recover and process what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. But then he would call me and he would talk me through it and we would get, and we really were able to reconnect and get to know each other again over the phone. So there was a phone connection. Was there also an electrical connection a little bit? Um, a little, yeah, there was. <laughs> I was just like, I remember going, I, cause I lived next door to my parents and I walked next door and I was like, do you guys remember to Brian from high school? My mom's like, yes. And I'm like, so we've been talking on the phone and she's like, what? And I'm like, I know I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. There we go. I was, I was looking for the truth here. Yeah. I was so excited. I was all I talked about. I would go to work and I'd be like, oh, I was talking to my friend Brian again last night. <laughs> and then I think it was like mid-November. So about two and a half months after talking, he says to me, well, why don't you move to Peterborough? And I was like, are you crazy? Like we haven't seen each other in 20 years. <laughs> and so then he came home that year for Christmas because his family still lives back home, uh, in Nova Scotia as well. And I was like really excited. So I went to the airport with his grandfather I had to pick him up at midnight. And as soon as I seen him get off the plane, I was like, yeah, I'm moving to Peterborough. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was just and instantaneous. I did. <laughs> you just, as soon as you saw him, you knew. I knew. I was like, yep. And I never even questioned it. And I, it was funny because it was the same year I turned 40. And so I went home and I said to my parents, so I'm I had a three bedroom house that I rented and I'm like, I'm getting rid of it. And I sold 90% of my stuff in like three weeks. And I'm like, I'm moving. And my parents were like, well, but you have it. And I'm like, no, I had no, there was no second thoughts. There was no nothing. I just knew it was the right thing to do. What was the reaction of your family and friends though? They were very happy actually. Oh, they were. They weren't there saying, was like, what are you no, doing? <laughs> they know me pretty well. I'm pretty much, know, like I'm an open book. They know my personality and they knew that if I was doing this, that I was, it was the right decision and I was okay with it. And I had so, and I still have so much support from all of my friends and family. And they're, they're so happy that I'm here with Brian. My grandfather's not always the best at expressing <laughs> how he feels about somebody, but if you know him, you know his telltales. And one of them is when he will talk about somebody's driving. So oh. <laughs> when Jen and my grandfather had come to get me at the airport that day, the next time I'm talking to my grandfather alone, oh, that Jen, she's a really good driver. Sure felt safe in the car with her driving. <laughs> not like when you're driving. <laughs> like, like, you know, he'll like... Yeah. get a dig in there too yeah. but like yeah i knew he liked jen yeah because he'd just find anything at all to compliment about jen to make sure yeah. <laughs> that's his way of telling me that is his kind of stamp of approval she's a good yeah. driver yeah, yeah she's a yeah. good driver felt safe with her yeah. that's interesting my <laughs> my dad has said to me my entire life uh, so i'm the oldest of four um and all of my siblings are married and settle down. And he has always said to me, I just wish you would find a nice young man and settle down <laughs> and go for a Sunday drive, do something. Cause him and my mom do that. They're, they've been married for about 45 years, you know, classic. And so I know that he's always worried about me. And then when I said I was moving to Peterborough with Brian, he was so happy. He, he knew like it, it was good. So I've had so much support from everyone. 
I see so much of myself and her dad. Like, yeah. They're very much alike. And, yeah. And it's, right? it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's a good thing. Well, they say you look for, you look for a, you know, a mirror <sighs> image in some ways. And you often don't see it until you're deep into a relationship and you go, oh, my gosh, yeah. you are yeah. my parent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when I was a kid, I had, like I said, I had the company. I was always second or first aggregate in any school I was in. And I was through fee schools and such. And I had very long hair, played in a band. <laughs> and parents at any point in time through high school, they either loved me or they hated me. There was no lukewarm. It was one or the other. And luckily, her parents liked me. Well, I guess they must really love you now, given that in some ways you saved her life, I gather. Yes. Yes. So I moved here in April of 2019, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer the end of October 2019. So just a few short months. Um, And had I have stayed in Nova Scotia, I I don't think I would have discovered it because I was not sick. So I cannot advocate enough that if you think something is wrong, check it and keep up on your health because I really was not sick. My blood work was fantastic. I had energy. I felt great. We literally just volunteered each other to go get screened for any kind of disease just to, yeah. because we wanted to know and just have that knowledge coming in. And we both passed with, you know, we were clean record of everything and it wasn't very much time-wise when no, we did that to it wasn't the and i did have a family doctor but to request a mammogram at my age was not something that they really did um and there was a wait time for it and brian had a family doctor here who um graciously took me on and i thought oh i've got the access to all of this now let's go do it i turned 40 this year yeah we didn't expect as the steps were on folding here in Peterborough that it would be so different than what we would have expected in Nova Scotia. So from suspicion to mammogram to biopsy to recommendation to mastectomy to cancer treatments, you know, these would have all been appointment bookings that could have spanned over the course of years. It was probably like a a couple weeks. And and, and almost almost all of that list we did in the Peterborough hospital here in town in, in 45 minutes. Yeah. Really? And then two weeks later, we had yeah. the mastectomy. And two months after that, because we wanted to do the in vitro thing first, that was the only delay. Then all the chemo and such had kicked in after that. So yeah. even in that two weeks, it had grown from one centimeter to three. Yeah. So frankly, if we had been left to the mercy of the healthcare system in our hometown, Jen wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, I really feel that way. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone and gotten it checked because I was not sick. They suspect I had the cancer only about six months and I had two lumps. And so I had my mammogram. They did the ultrasound and a biopsy all within 45 minutes, had the diagnosis the next day and legitimately two weeks later had a mastectomy. Uh, So it was a lot to process in a short period of time. Every step through that 45 minutes when they said there was another thing they had to do, we're waiting for an appointment card and they come back like, no, no, step into this room. We're doing it now. And I was just in shock. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, no. Yeah, it was just I didn't suspect it at all. So we couldn't believe it was possible to actually just do it. (laughs) That's incredible. And, you know, I have to tell you, you you brought a little tear to my heart, Brian, when you said we had the mastectomy because you often hear you often hear (laughs) couples talk about pregnancy like we are pregnant but i've never heard a man say that before and it really touched my heart 
Oh, I will tell you this. I don't know if I would have gotten through it without him. I didn't want to do chemo. I was fine with the mastectomy, to be quite honest with you. And I love my scar. I've not had reconstruction surgery. And he has been such a support system for me through every step of that. Immediately when the doctor said, you have to have a mastectomy, he's like, okay. And he's always been about body positivity towards me and to help me through it. And I, I have like no ill feelings about my body after cancer. Yeah. If, can I say something possibly controversial? Uh, I guess so. I want to put the entire world of men on blast right now because <laughs> I've heard some horror stories from support groups that yeah. were talking about how they had, some women had husbands who would leave their wives because they didn't like the look of their body after a mastectomy or something. Anybody that was not willing to see and love the spirit of their spouse wasn't a man. Yeah. Period. I'll stand by. Oh, that. it's uh, it's unreal the stories that we see of people whose their spouse left them after they got yeah. sick, and I I have the opposite. He's I don't even have a word for them, supportive. but man, it's not it. I'm just gonna cry yeah. a little bit here, and then we'll get back to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, every single wow. step of the way, he's he's been there. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centers. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. So Brian, how do you feel to have had the experience to reconnect after all these years, especially having been the one to end it when you were so young? I am the luckiest person on the planet to have had the fortune to meet her in the first place, to have her as a friend all these years, and also have the privilege of having a second chance. Sometimes we like to find another way to mirror our, our feelings and looking at it in history and we'll find things that correlate it to it and and just kind of talk about it affectionately in in those terms like one of our examples was adam sandler back when we had broken up that was also happened to be the last weekend that adam sandler was on the cast of saturday night live yeah and then as soon as she moved here and we're officially back together the very next weekend adam sandler's back on saturday night live hosting rubbing it in on how the success he's been compared to saturday night live yeah, it was funny <laughs> come on yeah. really isn't that funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And what about you, Jen? I'm right where I'm supposed to be, for sure. Always, I would see, you know, he would post things or I'd see him and I'm like, oh, I wonder how Brian's doing. And he's always been the one. And I never thought ever that we would be where we are now, but it worked out. And I think like three and a half years later, some days I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I live in Ontario with Brian. <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> and it makes me so happy <laughs> because we came from the same town and we went to the same school and we have a lot of friends in common when we talk about back home there's no gap or anything so it's i feel like we have been together since we've been 16 even though there was 24 year break in there yeah. and <laughs> it's just so natural but yeah no i'm i'm right where i'm supposed to be and i, I wouldn't change anything you needed to cool off for a quarter century there <laughs> <laughs> Taking a break as in friends, right? We were on a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Jen, you decided to be very open with your cancer journey. 
not just with yes. Brian, but with the world. And mm -hmm. what did that mean to you? I'm just a talker. Like I just, and I just like to share things and educate people. But when I decided to move here, Brian said to me, you should do a blog because he's got like the studio and engineering, all that stuff. And I was like, well, I'm not going to write. And he's like, no, do a video. And I was like, oh, okay, so let's try this. So I, I started documenting everything, my move, my like everything. And I still do to this day. And it's been so therapeutic. It's like you're talking to a therapist or something, but it's yourself in the camera. And so I, I highly recommend it to everyone, even if you don't want to share it, but then you can watch it back the next day. Like if you're having a bad day, mm -hmm. make a video about how you're feeling and watch it back the next day. And it's like a whole different perspective on it. But I don't remember a lot of the things that I went through. And I say I wasn't that sick when I was doing cancer treatment. Brian's like you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I videotaped all of it and I look back and I'm like, gosh, yeah, okay. I really, I was right. So I think it's educational because I didn't know what to expect at all going into it. And I was terrified. I did not even want to do chemo. Brian and my oncologist had to talk me into it. And I, I was just absolutely terrified and it went by so quickly and I made out. Okay. So I'm thankful for that. But, um, mm -hmm. I think I'm hoping that by talking about it, it just helps somebody else or gives them, you know, an idea of what to look for. Yeah. If anybody else is going through it, they, they'll see that they're not alone and it's not unique to go through these fears and, yeah. and to go through that journey with the hindsight of someone else's experience can sometimes be empowering. Absolutely. So that's, that's a lot of good that comes out of one recording. Um, I'm curious, uh, there must have been a time, even if it was only a moment, when you questioned if you'd have a future. And now that you are healthy, what does the future look like for you two? What do you what do you want to look forward to? Our future, we've been talking about it. And Brian has a 17-year-old daughter. And she is uh, just a wonderful human. And this is her grad year. Okay. And so we've been talking lately. We want to travel. Now that COVID's kind of subsided a little bit, our future really just looks like enjoying our lives. Not really a plan, you know. Um, eventually, we'd like to get a house, but on Ontario, that's kind of crazy. And yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, so next year, I think we have plans to travel with his daughter for her grad and just to enjoy each day. Since my early twenties. I have not been given a medical prognosis to expect a future. Yeah. So I never planned for one. Yeah. And that at least had a, my own evolved to a point where I would consider myself on forward time and, and I'm lucky to be here and happy to be here and every day is great because I'm still here, mm -hmm. but it still wasn't enough to make it feel like I had need or reason to consider a future. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was one thing that Jen had as an impact on me to actually start thinking about a yeah. future at all. And I don't know that I would have had my mindset ever get there without her. It's like she broadened your horizon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, so yeah. what? You're going to die in two months. Let's go do this. <laughs> that is right. Awesome. Like I'm all about adventure. Like you have to, it's, I was saying today, it's about the memory. It's not about the stuff in the house. It's not about the car we're driving. It's not, it's about the memories at this point. And, you know, we're both in our mid forties now. So 
a lot of ships that sailed and that's fine. It's really just about enjoying each day and making the best of our time together. I could just bask in your energy all day, frankly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I want to finish off by asking you a predictable question for me on this podcast. And, and that is really what you love most about each other. And I'm <sighs> going to let you uh, tussle it out and see who would like to go first. I'll, I'll just go first. <laughs> I love... <laughs> I just love how well he treats others and he has a very core group of friends that he doesn't see all the time because of where we live. And he is there. If somebody calls him and needs something, he drops whatever he is doing and goes to them. He has a lot of friends that are female and he'll talk to them when they're having a hard time through Facebook or on the phone. And a lot of people would be like, oh, he's talking to another girl. I love it because he's a true friend. And uh, there's no, I'm not threatened by anything. And he's just a good human being. Like he treats me so well. Like I, in my past relationship, I would come home from work and there was a lot of other things on my plate. And if I was sick, I really didn't get a sick day. You know, like there was just a lot involved here. I can come home and it's like, I can breathe. If I'm like, I can't make dinner tonight. I'm just too tired. He's like, okay, well, what do you want? I'll make it. it. It's just, I am just taken care of and I love it. He's just, he's so good to me. Jen is one of the most positive people I know. And it feels like in a world where there's more and more to be educated and concerned about, that it's harder to find sources of just untapped unbridled positivity and she is definitely that like she lights up the room when she walks into it she's the life of a party when there is one there is no way to fully properly express this almost snow white in the forest effect she has wherever she goes you know the, the birds start singing and they come land on her shoulder you know that kind of thing like that is literally whether she realizes it or not the impact she has wherever she goes so Everybody just loves her. And that was the original reason I wanted her to do a podcast. And she didn't know what to make it about. It was like, you don't need to even do anything. Just talk and be yourself. And, and people will love it because you're you. You know, like that's that was the recipe. Be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always been the way. Like whether she realizes or not, she's always been popular. She's always been well-liked. She's always been helpful. She's always been kind. She's always been encouraging. She's always brought people up. And uh, I get that from my mom and dad, though. Yeah. Yeah. They're good humans. They're great, too. Well, I'm just inspired and so happy for both of you that you are so happy and healthy. And Thank you. I just wish you all the best. I love the fact that you were willing to talk about your love story with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you for taking the time to do it with us. I've seen the love map and I'm like, oh my goodness, I would love to tell our story. We often solicit asking Canadians to tell us their love stories and we tell love stories of all kinds. So having done an interview now, what would you say? Is it is it something that you would recommend as an experience? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've been listening to the podcast since I applied and discovered it and it's such so like so many nice stories and it's just in a world of like that's been so crazy the last few years with COVID and all the negativity around people's different opinions on things it's just nice to listen to something positive you know I, that's just a nice story about love yeah thank you we that's what we love about it as well it's why we love telling these stories 
Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.